So obviously your prior enlisted warrant officer, LDO type stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, spent some time on recruiting. When were you out there? Uh, 97 to 2000. Uh, okay. I was uh, out there when you were out there with the uh, Humpty. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was down at 6th District, yeah. 96, yeah. 99. Yeah. Wow. Small world. Yeah. It's uh, amazing how quickly people's paths cross. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was technically my first acquisition program. And I think it was uh, General Mills, I think, had MNRA at the time. Uh, and he had recruiting under him. But he basically said, hey, I was a gunny at the time. And he's like, uh, not my idea. I inherited uh, our RAO, who was a captain, who was actually now like the number five or six guy at the FBI. Great guy, but it was his concept in our uh, JWT rep. And uh, they took it from the buses down in Florida, all had wraps on them. And they said, I wonder if we can do this. So anyway, I went down to Albany and signed for six Humvees. My ECR card is still down there. And uh, General Mills looks at me, he's like, Gunny, how long is it going to take you? I said, sir, give me about a year or so to, you know, get, because we had one. I said, give me about a year or so so we can figure out all the bugs. I had to take him to Atlanta, get all the stuff done, and then we'll see what we, he's like, all right, you got six months and 300000 Do what you got to do. And I'm like, uh, so the district actually fielded it for all of them. So my original one is still down at MCRD San Diego. Uh, it's I just think, part. I, I think that was probably one of the best um, recruiting tools. Thank you. Because at the time that I was out there, there were some bands coming up. Um, yeah. Nirvana had been in there. Uh, Kid Rock had come yeah. in, and we had it out at the uh, at the fair. <laughs> yep. And I don't remember who the driver was of it, but some guy pulls up like, "Yeah, you're you got nothing on sound," and some DJ's over there with his thing. So and, you were ninth district, right? Yeah, he, he, okay. He yeah, cranked yeah. up the stereo yeah. on that thing, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" And the DJ's like, yeah. shut it down, shut it down, you're wearing me out. And I was like, hey, once again, the Marines win. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Equipping the Corps. Today, uh, my special guest is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brian Wozneski. He's the Deputy Program Manager for Ammunition here at Marine Corps Systems Command. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Before we get uh, going, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in the Corps. Well, I'm, I'm originally from Fort Ripley, Minnesota. Joined the Marine Corps in 1991 on September 11th. A lot of people have a have a different meaning for that. The first 10 years in the Marine Corps was very special, but now that's been overwhelmed by uh, events of September 11th, 2001. So, yeah, I just went over 30 years. I'll be retiring oh, congratulations. here. Thank you. I'll be retiring here uh, in 2023. So. I'll go find another job to do that's hopefully just as fun as this one that I've been doing for three decades. So, yeah. uh, sounds good. Well, certainly appreciate your service and the time you've spent. Let's dive right in and uh, talk about ammo. Uh, everybody thinks about ammo as, uh, you know, rifle, pistol, things of that sort. But can you give us a little overview of the things that you uh, dabble in and what your program encompasses? Well, PM Ammo is, it, the unique thing about PM Ammo is we are the lack of better terms, not officially titled the Center of Excellence for Ammunition for the Marine Corps, but we anything that is fired from a ground platform, whether it's rifle, pistol, uh, 22 caliber, all the way up to 155 millimeter uh, artillery comes through the program manager for ammunition here at CISCOM. Uh, the other unique thing is, is that we also are the inventory management command for the Marine Corps ground ammunition. Most of that inventory management is done through LOGCOM, PM Ammo is the inventory manager for Class 5 Whiskey Ground Ammunition. We're also the Explosive Safety 
uh, mm-hmm. section for the Marine Corps for uh, all Class 5 ammunition to include aviation and ground. So our portfolio, per se, of the of the uh, program office covers everything from basically cradle to grave with ammunition, ground ammunition, aviation ammunition is, is or aviation munitions are uh, bought for by NAV Air, but we okay. cover everything for the ground. So how large of a team, uh, roughly, does uh, that program encompass? So here within the confines of Quantico, we have 42. Okay. And then we also have liaisons, um, green suitor liaisons, uh, throughout the Tidewaters and some of the Army depots, and we also have a Charleston detachment, um, and we also use uh, ESED out at Fallbrook. But the core is probably close to 69, I believe is the number, of total personnel attached without our contracted and lab support. So we're a very, very small entity compared to other program managers or other uh, entities within Marine Corps Systems Command. Wow, outstanding. So. Uh, again, I know, uh, you know, all, all the services use uh, basically the same ammos, different ammos. Uh, do you do a lot of work with the other services when it comes to uh, ammo or procuring ammo? It, or can you give us an, an overview of how we buy our ammo? Yes. Okay. Um, most of the time, due to the size of the Marine Corps, our requirements, although we, we you know, we, our forces, what, just under 178,000 Marines, 290,000 Marines, the Army is way bigger than we are. We buy a lot of things through it, buy with and through the Army for, for service common items, your typical 5.56, your 40 millimeter, those, those common items. And we do that to get economies of scale so we get more, more bang for our buck, no pun intended, right. but more quantity for what we're buying. We do have some things that we go out on our own. When I say on our own, Marine Corps unique items that we purchase that we start the process and then nine times out of ten we transition to the Army if they are interested in that for the same light capability. Um, most of our stuff is bought through the single single manager for conventional ammunition, okay. which is out of uh, the Joint Munitions Command in Rock Island, Illinois, encompassing, uh, coupled with uh, the Joint Program Executive Office Armament and Ammunition, which is in uh, Picatinny, New Jersey. We okay. have a liaison up there. Okay. So we buy, we buy also with the Navy, and we sometimes buy with the Air Force on their contracts, again, to get economy of scale, but it just depends on the item that we're talking about. It depends on where we go. A lot of stuff, um, if, if the Army is buying it, we will jump on their contracts. And, and it, it does us well to have partners in the joint services that we have a great working relationship with the Army, with the Navy. And, and nine times out of ten, if we need something, we can get it. And as you know, it's end of the year closeout. Right, right, you know, right. The Army has uh, just recently, as of uh, today, uh, we we needed we had some end of the year sweep ups that we couldn't take care of, and we asked the army if they could help us out, and they got it on contract for us. So again, at the end of the year, two days from the end of the year, they're taking a a significant chunk of money and helping us out. So it's great to have a team. That's like fantastic. That. So partnership at its best. So yes, uh, and, and obviously I'm I'm assuming it's great for all of us, great yes. for the service, yes. and and great for taxpayers as well. You mentioned uh, unique uh, ammunition or capabilities that sometimes. We procure. Can you give some examples? Or well, one of the biggest ones right now is the uh, I'd say the 50 cal polymer. Okay. Which is basically what we've done with that is taken a normal 50 cal round, ball round, and an incendiary tracer, changed the casing to look. It's almost like a shotgun shell. It has okay. a brass bottom to it, which holds the primer, and then there is a plastic, a polymer plastic casing, which is neck down to a projectile. And we've also changed the link uh, to be a plastic polymer link. 
it's about a seven pound weight reduction per ammo can of 100 rounds which equates to about 1.12 ounces per round doesn't seem like a lot but every 16 rounds you're reducing it a pound so if you put that concept into thought of how this comes together and we actually have our first uh, limited user evaluation going at Camp Pendleton the first week of November uh, we're gonna put that into the machine gun schools uh, hands let them let the Marines actually uh, shoot it um, we're going to try to get a, a brass machine gun next to it if we can to kind of do a, a leg size compar comparative <laughs> but yeah we're they're excited for it we're excited for it uh, wear and tear on weapons should be reduced uh, because Polymer doesn't heat up like brass, so your chambers should not have a should be uh, less wear and tear for heat. And also, the biggest thing is everybody says is you know weight weight re weight um, reduction on that is is very important. So it's funny you mentioned weight reduction, and, and you know you don't think about a, a few pounds here or there. But I had uh, Chief Warrant Officer Tomlinson on a previous uh, podcast here, and that was one of the things he you know every few ounces we put. On the individual marine really makes a difference at the end of the day so so i'm assuming if this is successful it's going to have you know all kinds of uh, improvements throughout not only to the individual marine but logistics as a whole how we get the ammunition to the field and, and, and not only that but this the technology don't i would say look look up and out to, at the technology if we can do this in a 50 cal the army is doing it in a uh 762 mm -hmm. millimeter and the uh, British United Kingdom is doing it in 556 so this is kind of a, hey if this technology is there but if we can take that technology and apply it to 30 millimeter apply it to 25 millimeter mm -hmm. now you're talking significant yes weight reduction not just obviously Marines don't carry 20 and 30 millimeter right, but the right. aircraft the vehicles those right. kind of things I think that's where the technology needs to go and will go eventually it's just how do we, how do we, lack of better terms, noodle through that to get to where we can bring it to a bigger platform and thus increase it even more? Yeah, ultimately take a lot of uh, refueling tankers off the road because you wouldn't need that much to, that's phenomenal. So uh, you mentioned the British. Uh, can you talk to us? Are, are you involved with some international partners as well? We, we do have, we do have some NATO partners that we do okay. some, uh, some IPTs, integrated planning teams and product teams with really can't i'm not involved with them the team is involved with them more than i am so really can't talk to you about hey what specifically right. are we doing in that and with COVID and everything the lack of the ability to get together with our nato partners has kind of hindered us i'm sure globally so in a previous program that i worked on we actually had one of our team leads uh actually led the effort for the uh, 30 millimeter effort uh within nato uh, and at that time, that was, you know, a key round for the Marine Corps that they were looking for for one of the vehicle platforms. Yeah, and I think the Army has now adapted that yeah, round. It, of, it's funny that you say that because the 30 millimeter is still around and still being looked at for some of our new capabilities coming forward. We have some, uh, we're working through some Army testing with them to, right. to uh, see if we can, what system we're going to put it on. There are a couple systems that we are still looking at 30, meter, 30 millimeter for. A couple of the systems that they're looking to incorporate in uh, ground-based air defense yes. and possibly the JLTV yes. as, as a yes. platform to carry that. Hopefully, we'll, we will 
do a conversation on ground-based air defense uh, on another one of our podcasts. So tell us a little bit more about this polymer round, because I think this is fascinating for our, our audience to uh, get a, a better understanding. How did we go about this? Can you uh, talk a little bit this, about the background? This, this round has been, uh, we've been, I don't want to say chasing this round. That's not the right terminology, but right, this, this, right. this, this, technology has been around it's just we were trying to figure out how i mean we continuously look to lighten the load on the war on, on the warfighter yeah this, this so was obviously one, yeah this this is one that was it's produced by mac in bay st louis and it's very small production right now mm-hmm. we're just trying to get it through testing it, it has tested successfully it it's just we're we're moving forward and we're trying to there's some other parts of it ammo can those kind right, of things right. that we're trying right. to work through also to put it all together as one package so right now you're still in in the evaluation process of this yes. round so yeah. uh, when you say testing is it official dod testing or industry uh no dod testing okay. we, we're, we are doing some dod testing with it i think uh once we proof this out which we have pretty much once we proof it all out and we start buying into we start getting into a bigger contract you'll see it coming on it's it again it's we've made it through milestone c we're just working that process now to go okay. forward. And uh, any feedback on the Army and their their efforts? Are they being as uh, successful? Or I, I guess I should ask the question: Do you monitor what they do? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do. They they have they have some uh, challenges like we had. And, right. And I right. think I think with our fifty cal, you're working with a bigger a bigger project or a bigger right. casing, right. so you can you don't have the um, seven six two. You have smaller casing. You you don't get to see the bigger. If there's an issue or something, right, you're, right, you're, right. You're much smaller, so I think I think again the technology is the most important thing, and then we figure out how to adapt it to different sizes. Kind of brings me to uh, a, a question that's been swirling around in my mind: How do you all evaluate ammunition? I mean, obviously we have a lot of different rounds out there. When you get a new round or a new manufacturer, what is it that we, the Marine Corps, does to evaluate the the round? Can you talk well, to that a little bit? Well, once we get, <clears throat> once we have. Uh, around produced mm-hmm. we do a first article testing which is basically we proof the concept of production to say hey we've tested this through all of the steps of production and then that's the first article to say yes we we can produce it in line with the specifications that we have requested or that it's been designed to after that we do what's called a lot acceptance test where we ensure that those specifications are produced and it gives the, the ammunition give us the desired effects that we mm-hmm. are seeking uh, we do that on every lot of ammunition. Some lots of ammunition. It could be. Uh, I use this terminology a lot. Ammunitions like black voodoo magic. <laughs> I I say that and I smile when I say it because you can go to some places that it's a mom and pop little organization that's right. working and the the head scientist is a guy that's been doing it for forty years and he touches it. It's kind of like grandma making biscuits. You can't make biscuits like grandma did because she had her little special way of doing it. <laughs> it's the same way with ammunition. So we have some lots that don't that don't pass our acceptance. There's a tolerance there that sometimes they don't, <clears throat> and either we accept them on waiver or we retest again to see if there's a problem. After that gets produced, fielded to us, put in the to the uh, inventory, we do a follow-on test. Further on, we do a um, service life um, testing because mm-hmm. I mean if you think about ammunition ammunition some of it has a shelf life some of it does not right. a lot right. of times it's it's shelf life is due to a component inside for example the little paintballs uh, they, they right. dry out um, or it's a or it's an electronic piece a new electronic piece or a, a something that uh, some of our munitions they they just expire 
So we do service life testing and we extend out the service life and we're always continue to test our ammunition to make sure that it's one safe and it pro provides the de desired effects for the warfighter to use. So yeah, we conti continuously are testing our stuff. So I'm amazed at the intricacy that, uh, of some of that. I actually had the opportunity to go up to Burlington, Vermont at uh, one of the ranges up there and they did, uh, we were doing some stuff with a 30 millimeter at the time. Uh, but the intricacies of the operation and the detail work that goes into just firing a single round and collecting all the data from that particular round. So. And, and it's amazing what kind of tests we do that we do a uh, we do a 60 degree below test. Mm. Who's ever going to fight in 60 degree below weather? <laughs> We're not. But what's the inside of a cargo compartment of an aircraft at right. altitude? You know, right. what happens? So you don't, a, a, a knuckle dragon ammo tech like me, you know, hey, what does that all mean? We have engineers right. that are experts in their craft to do this. And there's reasons why, you know, there's, it's amazing. Shock tests, all those things that we test on. There's a myriad of things that we take for granted when I say we service members take for granted right, on right. how safe something is. And, and unfortunately, whenever there's a mishap, you know, the ammunition is, hey, we suspend the ammunition for safety, but the ammunition right. is always looked at because of a mishap, you know. But nine times out of ten, the ammunition has been safe or it functioned as designed. It was right, something else. Right. But that's just to give you an idea of what we test to. Wow, that's awesome. So that, that actually uh, leads me to uh, an interesting point. I believe you had mentioned this is your first assignment uh, directly here at Systems Command. I don't think the, the average Marine, as you mentioned, understands the, the detail effort that goes into getting that round downrange. Has your perspective changed from being out in the fleet and now being in the acquisition side of things? Let me, uh, <laughs> let me, let me answer that one for you. So 2001, I was a Staff Sergeant stationed at Rock Island, Illinois as a transportation liaison for Marine Corps Systems Command. And I had the opportunity to go see how 155 millimeter projectiles are, okay. are loaded. Okay. Um, I'll try to explain this the best way, quickest way possible. It's called meld pour. They heat up the explosive, the composition B explosive at the time, right. and they pour it in to the projectiles as the projectiles are standing upright. And it goes through a heating process and it cools down and right. hardening. The, tech, the technological part I can't explain, that's an engineering thing. But to see that, I had no idea that this projectile is filled with something right. that looks like, lack of better terms, baby's poop. You know, yeah. and, and it, it, it's, but to see that, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And as a liaison for Marine Corps Systems Command, seeing that, and then years later, coming back to be the Marine Corps liaison and getting to see how ammunition is produced, then coming here and then going to SOCOM and seeing another perspective of how ammunition is developed, then to come here to PM Ammo and put it all together, this is, this is one of those times that, or one of those places that you either like it here because you right. they are intrigued by how the process works, or you like the fleet marine force because of what they do out there. Right. When you come up here and see the intricacies of how ammunition is manufactured and how the using a dumb dumb round, the 5.56 millimeter round, there's no electronics on it or anything. It touches approximately 12 different places in the country <laughs> to make a dumb dumb round that's to include the the primer the powder the casing the projectile the bullet i didn't know that a projectile and a bullet were not the same thing the projectile now you've got me intrigued yeah, so yeah. 
I thought it was just a bullet. Nope. The All bullet right. is the inside to uh, the projectile with the cover over it. Wouldn't have known that, you know. But you start <laughs> looking at drawings and you start seeing, and 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 some of your previous positions that you've been in. When you look at drawings and stuff, you don't realize how intricate it is. And then right, once you right. and and we we have a we have a three military project officers that are four military project officers that are green shooters here. Right. And and uh, fortunately for them, um, they come here and do a great job, but it's an uphill learning curve because we, we're here for three years where most acquisitions folks, it takes 10 or 12 right. years to become a master at your craft. Well, Just understanding the language. I exactly, so right. they come right. here, they a lot of them enjoy it because it's something completely different, every day is different. You, you know, where else do you get to go and say, hey, I got thirty million dollars. I got to put on this project. You know, most Marines are thirty million. You know, they they. Yeah. But our project officers do a great job. So do our civilian project officers that have been here for a long time. And it's I think, unfortunately, we need to get back to the green suitors here to understand why why are we building something? It doesn't have to be ammunition, but something right. to support the fleet because I think sometimes we miss that when we have. Nothing against civilian personnel or anything, right, but, but right. when we have people that, you know, they just don't, they haven't been out there lately to see. And and a lot of times, funny story, my first, um, one of my first uh, engineer change proposals, uh, talking to my engineer from Fallbrook, California, he's mm -hmm. explaining to me, it's, we're talking about a parachute on an 81 millimeter mortar, and he's talking about the thread count, and now it's got to be 26 stitches, and it's got to be this certain thread, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean to me? Right. And he's like, it just means that the, the candle's going to fall 0.286 seconds slower. And I, my response was, so that means we get more light? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, just, but you don't understand that because right. that's not where we're at green, uh, you know, uniform military members. We just want to shoot the dark. Yeah, exactly. Thing. I just yeah. want to watch the 81 yeah. millimeter candle go off and illumine yeah. the battlefield, light up the battlefield. But again, yeah, it's, it's, so coming here to Syscom, a lot of people are, I don't want to say they're afraid of it, but a lot of them like, oh, God, I don't want to go up there and work. And, you know, but once they get here, they find that this is so interesting. It's so challenging, yet, re re yet um, uh, challenging, yet rewarding. Yeah. And, and just what you, unfortunately for us, it's a three, usually it's an 18 to 36 month lead time. So somebody could get here start the first day and not see their the fruits of their labors until, they're, years until they're long yeah. gone and the next guy comes in and gets the fruits of the labor so yeah well, i truly appreciate that perspective and it's definitely something i don't think people realize uh so i appreciate that feedback and along those lines uh you have a lot of uh interaction obviously with the engineers and folks but how about industry uh do you uh Spend a lot of time dealing with the industry or some of our industry partners on this, or uh, well, yes, okay. uh, and I for for ammunition. I mean, there is six or seven. I don't want to say prime vendors, but right. there are six or seven big vendors that. And none know, of them are advertising no, on this podcast, no, so we'll no. leave their names out. Yeah, no, no, but I'm just saying, yeah, you know, if you yeah. but if you go out and look at some of the other programs, there's vendors for tires there's right, vendors right. so we are our relationship with industry is very unique because yeah we know them very well and and we we know where people what they can produce and what they cannot produce so we um yeah we we have a lot of interaction with industry <laughs> it is funny because the army um they have a bigger they have a bigger 
portfolio of things. So sometimes industry comes to us wanting Absolutely. to to uh, have us look at something, and we just don't have a requirement for it. But we push them to the army and say, "Hey, ask the army; they will do that." We're we're a little more inviting and better stop for them to have uh, have the conversation and uh, point them in the right direction. Huh? Yes. So I guess uh, ammo's. We have a lot of subcultures in the Marines. We're all Marines. We're you know. Uh, all wear green suits and whatnot, but there are there are a lot of little subcultures, and and I get a chuckle out of you. But Ammo's got a unique subculture, and I I know the general whenever he gets around you all ammo. go hey, ammo hey, big old ammo shout out. So how large is your community? Just ballpark seventy seven uh, uh, officers from warrant officer to lieutenant colonel, right. and approximately eighteen hundred thirty two enlisted members, not including the reserves. So that's a small percentage of the 180,000 or so that that we have. So, yes, sir. Uh, do you all uh, do you all get together at any given time to evaluate some of the efforts that are going on? How do you interact with the fleet? Um, actually, because we're so small, I'll use that word. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of uh, I don't want to say one-on-one -on -one interactions, but but there are five lieutenant colonels handful of majors, handful right, of captains. Right. So we all communicate very well with, hey, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going. A lot of times the units, uh, MARFORs, MEFs, communicate to us with, hey, do you see this coming on? Um, a lot of our evaluations are done in concert with the gunner community for infantry weapons and stuff, mm -hmm. so we can get that feedback because a lot of times you put it in a static display, it's not, or a static firing position, it's mm -hmm. not. It does. It gives us the results for a test, but it doesn't give us the results for a you know what's the what's the using what's the marine want to use it for and, and sometimes some of the things that you know marines come back with some of the suggestions are you know they they don't they see their picture they don't see the big picture and sometimes we see the big picture but we don't see their picture right, so it's right. a give and take with with interactions with the fmf you find yourself traveling a lot out there to uh the mefs and stuff uh we 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 travel a lot um for explosive safety to go out and and um do uh, explosive safety inspections on all the ASPs in the Marine Corps. Uh, so we travel out there a lot. Yeah, the PM, uh, Mr. Adams and I are planning on trying to get out. Obviously, COVID for mm -hmm. the last 18 months has really cut into us. But a lot of times we try to get people to come. We try to get the forces to come here to Quantico for the ground ammunition program review where we kind of bring them in and say, hey, this is what we have. And our our, uh, our advocate or our CIO at, at um, CDNI comes in and briefs, hey, this is where we're going. Uh, we bring the units in and have them, you know, a lot of people don't understand what's going on in 3MEF, 1MEF. You know, we, right. we don't get to see that here on the other I mean, we read about it in the Marine Corps Times and the early bird and all that, but to have somebody come over from 3MEF and say, hey, this is what we're doing, or hey, this concept that the Commandant is talking about, what does that mean to ammo? Right. It means this. And a lot of times, you know, we don't, we, big community, writ large, ammo community doesn't get all that because we don't. We're focused on here at Marine Corps Systems Command. We're focused on acquisitions to meet the Commandant's intent and the Commandant's planning guidance. But again, we don't understand that they're going left, right, and we're going up the middle. It's it's we we have that feedback from the forces to kind of give us, hey, I think you're a little off here. But and and a lot of times too, it's based on what comes through the GCS portfolio. You know, those things that we feed, they maintain the system here at Marine Corps Systems Command. We maintain the ammunition. So a lot of times what they are doing, we are in concert with here within right, Marine right. Corps Systems Command.
Uh, you mentioned 3MEF, our friends out in the Pacific, uh, and I know you, uh, you and your team have done some stuff here uh, as of recently, uh, trying to qualify a different 50 caliber round for uh, for specific ranges out there. Can you uh, touch on that a little bit? And yeah, give we us have a the we have the reduced range. <clears throat> we have the reduced range 50 cal, which um, I mean, it just doesn't go as far. Or? Yeah, it's it's to be able it's to be able to be fired on the 762 range depth for uh, a for a safety danger zones. So we we have that. Um, we're actually receiving some of that we just went through first article testing we're doing some lot acceptance testing we hope to get that fielded i believe it is second quarter of fy22 but that's helpful for okinawa obviously you can't shoot 50 cal on okinawa right. there's right. lots of range restrictions and there's some range restrictions on camp lejeune also but this will allow marines to shoot um, 50 cal up to i believe it's 700 yards but still give the same effects as a normal 50 cal or seven and that was my question yeah. still you're still you're same effects same round. still same effects just a just a reduced range okay so uh, as far as uh you know the ability for them to hit a target at a, a yep. particular that's range it. yep. it's gonna uh, that's fascinating how long uh has that effort been uh, ongoing i want to say that has been ongoing for about just over three years okay. i think so that goes to your point earlier you know somebody else started the program yep and lieutenant colonel wasneski is going to get the finish didn't get all the credit for it no that that uh, <laughs> honestly that is that is the project officers doing yeah and that has always been the funny thing is that has always been a military project officer doing our small cal small caliber ammunition so i mean that's Right. You have a chief warrant officer passing off to a chief warrant officer passing off to a chief warrant officer. So that's that's the uniqueness of it is they get to take it from cradle to depot. I'm, I'm fortunate here because I have an inside track. I have a Marine who did a year on a fellowship, and he's actually one of your ammo Marines. So bad for you because I'm not giving him back anytime soon. Good for me because I get to keep a little more experience on well, well, since you threw that out there, I'm hoping he extends here for another year so I can still use uh, him for what he's for what he's been trained for in uh, his fellowship and I can continue to work in. I'll have that conversation with him. We, we'll make sure we, uh, we we put him to work. We've got a, a little more time here. Can you, uh, what, what are some of the efforts that you, I, I know you mentioned earlier, you're, you're looking forward towards retirement in a couple of years, but you still have a little bit of time. What's on your uh, schedule? What are the things that you'd like to uh, maybe try and get accomplished here in the next year or so? Well, um, first and foremost, the new uh, PM, Mr. Adams, took over from uh, Mr. Warren Clare just over a mm -hmm. month ago. So that's a that's a uniqueness all in itself. Um, again, as you said, we have our we're, we're you know we're ammo and right. we have our, our little. <laughs> so you're ammo. trying to break them into the yeah. community. So huh? so being yeah for years um, we had a we had a program manager Jerry Mazza who was mm -hmm. and previous ammo guy previous ammo officer became a program manager for I believe 15 16 years he was there so then when Mr. Mazza retired we had um, Mr. Acosta Mr. Mr. Costa Mr. Rideout Mr. Claire and now we have Mr. Adams all of which are not ammunition background guys right so the the learning curve it's not a learning curve but the we'll call it a learning curve the learning right. curve to get up right. the, the program management piece right. They all understand. They all get right, that. Right. It's the it's the other things that PM Ammo does that most program management offices don't do. It's the log com like IM capability. It is the safety like ES capability. It is the plans and ops for strategic planning capability. You know we have our own internal um, 
uh, inventory management system, which a lot of them, GCSS Marine Corps has their own project office where we have one. So I think the biggest thing is, is to set the stage for the future DPM to come in and, and have the PM understanding. I mean, him and Mr. Adams and I are talking every day translations of, hey, where we're going. And also, I think, uh, and as Mr. Adams and I have talked, we need to get back into the research and development portion of acquisitions for ammunition. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have a big R&D uh, pot just because we, we don't, what are we, what are we R&Ding for? And I, I think some of those things that we A round is a round, or a bullet, uh, yeah, a round uh, or a bullet. Yeah, yeah. Ammunition is yeah, ammunition, yeah. But, yeah. but there may be changes to, can we get a different projectile? Can right, we get a different, right. you know, we have the cartridge case, we have the link, right. um, what about, you know, maybe uh, mortars, is there a different, is there a, a lightweight, uh, you know, I think right now the aircraft craft aluminum lightweight, you know, how do we neural the, take a mortar and neural the inside of a mor mort mortar and make it more lethal. I know some right, of them have right. a sleeve with some BBs or some steel balls in it, but those kind of things that let's let, let's get out there and just see what the realm of possible is. See what see what things are going on in the industry because unfortunately anything over 50 caliber most civilians aren't buying or can't have and stuff like that, but there's still a we have a we have to be able to defeat our enemy with the capability, but sometimes I think a little more R&D and it's not negative towards PMM. It's just we just never had right. that research and development. And I think, I think when we get into as we have right now with additive manufacturing and some of the things that we're doing there, that is a unique and scary topic for me because additive manufacturing you can print something to look mm -hmm. dang near real, and, and they'll never know until you walk up and say, "No, that's inert." But you'll never know. But again, some of the capabilities that we've had with uh, additive manufacturing and printing a uh, head cap for the rocket motor for the for the line charge, just the the technology of um, printing stainless steel. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so the same thing is printing. There is already talks within industry, within academia, of printing explosives together and it, it comes down to a, a bonding thing of at the molecular level of how right. do you bond IMX 104 to comp B or however whatever chemicals they're using but that's I think that when we can when we can make a projectile or we can do something to where thinking about um, how we're going to do things in EA, EABO if we can have a, a mortar that the way that the fuse the nose of it's set up to do penetrating the Back of it's set up, the first half is set up to hit, you know, a spectrum of 15 right. meters. The second half of the back of the, the projectile is set up to go 35 meters. You know, how do you, you layer a explosive that way when you think, when you engage a target, you can bust it, but you don't destroy the, you can... So funny you mentioned that when I was, uh, again, previous program, they were looking at the 30 millimeter round. There was actually a 30 millimeter programmable round uh, designed to do some of that. Uh, the shooter could actually programmed around, uh, you know, two or three different. Uh, I spent some time in Kosovo and we had an EOD team whose uh, main mission in life was to look at RPG projectiles and X-ray them and, uh, because during that conflict, People had found ways. They literally had, you know, basement laboratories where they could refuse the 
the the warhead to do different things uh and it, it was extremely challenging for eod techs to go out and take care of around when the, the fuse was completely different from you know what the markings on the on the round were so yes um, and, and and some of our and i think some of the other things not that not that Lieutenant Colonel Wisniewski can change this, but we also need to look internally to our industrial base. Mm -hmm. You know, we our industrial base becomes a readiness problem right. in the future when we're, when I'm not saying we're outsourcing, that's not the right terminology, but we need to get back to where our capabilities are here in a, in the in the confines of our protection, right. because we, we do buy some products from countries overseas. And again, if something was to happen, you know, we're buying things from countries in Europe and if we go into a conflict with Russia or something like that right. things are things aren't going to come the way we think they are and right. and there's certain there's certain uh, precious metals and things that we need to keep an eye on and and that as an as a overarching marine corps ammunition program office we're tied into the joint ordnance commanders group that does industrial base with the DOD and the joint staff and all of that so yeah there's you know a lot of a lot of our um, fellow PMs don't have that same thought process so, or that same umbrella of impact as we do within the DOD. Well, speaking of responsibility, uh, that is an area we, we, we haven't covered at all, but I just wanted to touch on it briefly. You're also responsible for, uh, you know, loss, missing ammo and things of that sort. So that's an area that takes a bit of your time. Well, uh, th that is a, that is a unique problem set mm -hmm. in and of itself. Um, the MLSR uh, process is owned by PPNO Physical Security, right. but again, because we are the repository for all MS MLSRs involving ammunition and explosives, we're kind of tugged into that a little bit. But that is something that we are working with uh, PPNO Physical Security and INL to hey, let's come up with a better system for the Marine Corps to track MLSRs and make it to where the commander, not Commander Marine Corps Systems Command, right, but the right. Battalion commanders, regimental commanders, they have that control of their their responsibilities, and we are there to support them. Because yeah, that's, I mean, things happen to go missing. Right. You know, you right. can't help it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I mean, I, and, and it's yeah. it's it, it nine times out of ten, for for the PMM, one of the biggest problems is is that if a marine at an a, at an ammunition supply point miscounts by one, right, that's an MLSR. Well, it's it's human error. It's you know that's everybody you know miscounts everybody makes a mistake but i think the the egregious ones yeah that needs to be handled in a different sense but this mlsr problem set that is up and coming it, it is it is something that we are all over our plans and analysis team working with inl and uh, physical security ppno hopefully we can get that solved in the next six to 12 months. So you talked about uh, miscounting so in a, in a previous life of yours i'm assuming you you spent plenty of time in a ammo repository counting every, you know, we like to say beans, bullets, and band-aids. Today it's about bullets. So you've counted yeah, all of yes, them. Yes, yes. And, and it's it's funny because, uh, yeah, you know, we've we've done some things to help Marines right. count some linked, uh, linked ammo, a belt of 100 rounds. We've made count boards for that they can lay it out oh, and I see. Gotcha. We've had those additive manufacturing mm -hmm. through uh, Fallbrook uh, ESED at Fallbrook, California, so that helps out. But again, you know, when you go out to the field and Marines break out every bit of, 
you know, well, it's a human think, factor. Yeah, yeah, think of it as when you're doing construction and you dump out every nail in the box and you <laughs> pick them all up. And you got to count them. I mean, it's how many yeah. how many nails are in the box? A hundred. Are you sure? Well, yeah. No, you got to count them. So yeah, we. It, I will say this: um, ammunition technician. It's a, uh, and I'll say this to all the to all the peeps out there: it's not a sexy job. But uh, Mr. Mazza said, you know, just by its name, ammunition, we make the tip of the spear pointy and lethal, and and honestly. You know, without a without ammunition, it's just a click, and we have a whole bunch of things that we can say about without yeah, ammunition. But the funny thing, the the unique thing is, is that ammunition, people don't think about it until they have to cross the line of departure, and that's all they want. Click is not a good sound. Beans, yeah, bullets, and band aids. All right, and literally in that order. Uh, sometimes you you reverse them a little bit. <laughs> so it's fair to say that. Before Lieutenant Colonel Wesneski has a second cup of coffee in the morning, there's no telling what the day will bring. Oh, of course. All right. Of course. All I mean, right. it's every day. This job is um, this job is is unique every day because it's feast or famine. Mm-hmm. It's firefighter. It's advocate. It's <laughs> um, it's thought process of why are we doing that and having somebody explain it to you. It, it is a unique and challenging job, but. Uh, the job never goes away either. So that's what makes this a, a fun job is that, you know, every, every day is different. Every day something comes up. I mean, we get to the end of the year, we think everything's good to go, and, hey, here's some more sweep-up money. You know, oh, we get yeah. to the beginning of the year, hey, we got a continuing resolution. But, but again, you know, hey, we got we got all these things going on that the train isn't going to stop, and we have to keep, you know, we have to keep going with things, and, and the train isn't going to stop. So, yeah, it's just how do you fix, how do you solve this problem and on to the next problem? Listen, I thought we, uh, I thought I knew a lot about ammunition, but I didn't know a whole lot. But I think after our conversation today, I, uh, I have a much better understanding and really a much better appreciation. I don't expect an ammo tech to be issuing out my 15 nine millimeter rounds so I can go and do my thing. But uh, it really is uh, admirable what you all do on a daily basis, and I, I do get a better appreciation of the ammo. You know that that small group, but. I want to I want to thank you for taking the time to to uh, give us a little more insight in what what you and your team over at PN Ammo uh, are doing day in and day out. But before I let you go, we got to go to to one of our favorites here, and it's it's really our lightning round. So are you ready? <laughs> yep. I'm going to ask you a go few ahead. questions and fire away. Hit us with what you got. So uh, what's your favorite duty station? Uh, that would either be uh, Marine Corps Systems Command or SOCOM. Awesome. I'm sure the commander will appreciate that that first part. So what's, and, and I'll ask this in order, what's a TV show, book, or, or movie that, uh, or, or maybe you can do all three? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to say it like this, because I, I saw that, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say Hell on Wheels on Netflix, and uh, the dream, dream TV show Hell on Wheels on Netflix, The Dream Machine is a book, the book of the untold story of the notorious V-22 Osprey. Both of those relate to acquisitions way. One is truly an acquisition story. Hell on Wheel is, is about connecting the railroad back oh, in the yeah, 1800s yeah, yeah. from yep, the East Coast yep. to the West Coast and yep. some of the things that uh, you binge watch that and you can see some of the things that you have to go through. Movie, I'm going to say Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1, completely off-color. But it just—he ain't makes quite you, dead yet, it, is he? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I I won't associate with that, but I think I may have seen it a time or two. Yeah. Uh, all right. A more serious question: If you weren't doing uh, what you're doing now, what would you be doing? You know, I, I have no idea, 
and and I, I say the three S's, you know, I'm going to retire here, in, as I said, in 23, and I'll go find something to do, shovel sand, shovel snow, or shovel, you know, um, but it doesn't matter. It's, I think my producer has a, a beeper, has so, a beep yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so, so if you inadvertently <laughs> say something, yeah, we're, we're uh, going to beep you out there. No, no, but I, you know, there's, and it's, this is just one step in life, um, you know, the Marine Corps is important, been doing this for three decades, but there's other, you know, there's other things to do, and it's not that I don't love the Marine Corps or anything like that, it's just, there comes a time when you got to close that book and start another book, and, and I just don't know what that next book is. No, you're absolutely right, I didn't either, so, uh. And I, I didn't quite make it to as far as you were, but after my 21 years, I had to figure out what to do when I grow up. So, exactly. uh, and here I am doing something. I'm not quite sure what, but, and, and last but not least, this is probably the most important one, but if you had to have any superpower, what would it be? You know, this is probably the corniest question that I, or corniest answer I'll give, but no need to be super be yourself. And the reason I say that is uh, you have a lot of people that feel they're superheroes, but when you ask them to do something super, they're more of a super zero. And, and I said this, I said this back in elementary school when I was a kid, had to make some little, uh, some uh, posters, and I was thinking one day how to do this. And if you think of musical notes, I used to say, "Don't be sharp," the little hashtag. Don't be flat with the little b. Be natural. That's all you got to be. Be natural. Be yourself. Well, listen on that uh, on that tone. I don't know what I can. Uh, I'm I'm not very musically inclined, so I better I better not sing. I, I better just be natural. Listen, Lieutenant Colonel Wisniewski, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking the time. We'll maybe look forward to having you back here when you uh, complete the uh, the polymer ammo and some of these other efforts you uh, you've been undertaking. Again, thanks for your time. Have a great Marine Corps day. Thanks for having me, and I'll leave you with this ammo. Well, this concludes another episode of Equipping the Corps. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. If so, please take a couple minutes, leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. Till next time, Manny Pacheco signing off.